What's up, everybody? Welcome to Respawn Aim Fire, episode 141. We are the kick-ass, irreverent gaming podcast where three lifelong friends gather to talk about video games. My name is Chad Michael Innes. That's Holden DePardo. Hi. And you're you, the listener. And that's why we love you, your lifelong friend, you sexy little shallot. Is shallot a food? Yes. I don't know. It's great, <laughs> great shallot. It's not seafood. Well, it's Scallions? Like- what am I thinking scallions, of? What is a shallot? Is li- I was thinking for a second that the, a shallot is the little green things you put on top of a baked potato, but I think that might be scallion. Or is that chives? Or is that chive? Oh my gosh. We're not culinary what the, What's chefs. the seafood things that look like little cakes, but they're not crab cakes? Scallops. 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 I always get all these things mixed up. Amazing. I love scallops. I fucking so hate good. those. Fucking hate them. Anyway, welcome. It's Hold okay. It. Some you people can be up. wrong. It's fine. I need you to look that up while I'm doing the rest of this introduction here. Shallots? Yes. Shallots, scallions, scallops, and... It's funny as I know exactly how to spell it, too. And chives. <laughs> oh, it looks like it's a type of onion. Which here, one? I'll pull up a picture of it. The shallot. Shallot? Okay. And the scallion is the little green things you put on top of, like, a baked potato. Still not convinced the difference between the two. Okay, well, let me show you what a uh, a shallot looks like. Okay, shallot. I feel like that it's like a... What Whoa, not what like. I was expecting. Okay, okay, okay. But you'll, like, rip that apart. You won't eat it like that. Dude, I'm just Like an onion. You don't, like, it. eat the onion. Unless you're, you know, Shia LaBeouf in holes. Then you just I eat the onion. Ju- I was literally just about to say, unless you <laughs> ferment it and make sploosh. <laughs> dig it up. I'll, I'll dig it. Uh, yeah, guys, great. this is a little bit of a unique episode. Um, I am recording this while on vacation Scallions. in... Oh, yes, 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 yes. They're kind of like green onions. Yeah. Green onions are like the little baby ones on top of the long green dicks. Little baby ones. Yeah. Uh, like so yeah, I'm on vacation. I'm recording this on my phone. Holden's recording like normal. Holden, you need to refocus your camera. Uh, so I'm going to do my best with the audio. I apologize in advance. Nope, that did not work, Holden. There it is. All right, now get your finger out of the way. Um, so this will be a test of my post-production skills with Logic Pro 10. Uh, we are going to be talking today about a shit ton of shit. And by that, I mean not too much because still holidays. <laughs> nobody's releasing news stories or anything like that. We're going to talk about our game of the year, 2019, however, which is a big fucking deal. And we're also going to be talking about some Oculus news, some Atari news. Ooh. But we're going to start like we always start. By pussyfooting around and talking about what we played this week. Holden, it's actually been like, has it been two weeks? We did yeah. Monday and this is Sunday. No, it hasn't been two weeks. When's the last time I saw it's been, you? It's, it's been more than a week. It's been longer than our usual time away from each other, I think. You're true, Ka. You're true. What did you play? Uh, I played three things. Um, here's the thing I'll kind of preface with. <clears throat> My nice. original goal was to say that was to play the games that I wanted to consider for game of the year that I hadn't played yet. And then I kind of realized it's not really doing a service to those games just to rush them in really quickly and then actually take them seriously. So I just kind of decided not to do that and just to kind of play some games that I wanted to play. It was the end of All the right. semester. I'm just going to play some stuff I wanted to play. So I played some more Sekiro just because I wanted to play more Sekiro and had no uh, thoughts of finishing it. Just play it. And then I started playing Wolfenstein. I've talked about Sekiro a bunch, so I'm not, it's not worth talking more about. But great game. I'll talk more about it later in the episode. Great, great, great. Wolfenstein The New Order. I played that finally. Because uh, Chad and I had a pact that if, you know, basically if he watched one season of Mr. Robot, then I would play one game in that series. Yep, and yep. he finished the first season. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat Wolfenstein New Order. The New Order. 
And at this point, I just got out of like the hospital where you're kept after you make it. After you get, like, basically, you run out of like one of the Nazi camps or something like that, or Nazi castles, whatever it is, and you get like your head cut, and yeah. you wake up and you're like this like doctor's office. I just broke out of there. And the annoying like drone battle out in the courtyard. <laughs> Yeah, really annoying. They just they <laughs> wouldn't go down. <laughs> they wouldn't go down. Yep. But um, I've maybe it gets a lot harder. But I kept people kept saying this game is so hard, and I haven't found it to be that difficult. It seems like it's a first person cover shooter. The you You're just really got to take cover to, and be slow. Uh, that's uh, I don't know. You could play it a couple of different ways. That's how I'm playing. The the, the fun as fuck way to play it is just fucking guns blazing. Um, mm-hmm. but. You just got through a completely different part of the game than the rest of the game is. That's you remember every, when okay. this game came out. Everyone was like, "Man, they let us play it the first two hours at E3 or whatever," and it was like, "Oh, this game's not good." But then the rest of the game, like after the first intro part yeah. of the game, it gets really, really, really great. That's about where you are right now. Okay, uh, cool. I personally so far, played the first part and I was like, "You know, this isn't bad." Everyone said it was bad, but no, this isn't so bad so far. No, I'm glad you said that because I was going to say is. It's very mechanically good. It feels like every other shooter I've played so far. But I, right. I guess that's kind of how I'm supposed to feel right now. Yeah. And it gets balls to the walls after that. Because I've always kind of known Wolfenstein just from how people talked about it as bonkers ridiculousness, balls to the walls from beginning to end. Crank the Nazi shooting video game, essentially. Yep. Um, but I'm still enjoying it. I'm, I am enjoying it. Um, the other thing is that I started, I started watching The Witcher. And I got two episodes in, and then maybe go, I want to just try playing The Witcher again. I also want to play The Witcher again because Cyberpunk's coming out, and I would just like to see how how CD Projekt Red has evolved from The Witcher 3 to Cyberpunk and kind of how they handle those different IPs differently than being fantasy and and uh, Cyberpunk being the genre, not the name. And I'm just kind of I'm just kind of curious how they handle both. I'm just, you know, interested. And I'm, I'm actually really enjoying it more this time around because I think I'm just being mellow with the game. Yeah, just kind of taking it as it goes, as opposed to like when I play Fallout, for example, and I'm just like running everywhere to find out new stuff all the time. And I'm like, no, I'm going to stay in this town and I'm going to do everything this town has to offer. I'm going to talk to all the people. I'm going to just live in the world. And, you know, I'm having a really good time doing it that way. Good. I'm it's been almost far- three years since our first attempt at that game. Yes. Oh, Isn't and that I specifically do it again because it's on Game Pass, and I'm like, oh, it's a massive. File oh, it's on Game Pass. Game. It's on Game Pass now, and I'm like, oh, it's a massive in file size, and I have a terabyte in my Xbox, so don't feel as bad about having it there. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I'm enjoying that, but I haven't really done too much with game playing as of late, honestly, just because end of the year holiday stuff, finishing up the last week of the semester, and then just um, TV show stuff caught my attention a lot. But this yeah. isn't a TV podcast, so we're not going to talk about that. But yeah, Chad. So, there's one on here that you have in the list. I just I'm really curious about. I don't know if you wanted to start here or not, but I want to know what Beat Saber 360 on Oculus is like. Ooh, yeah. So this is so I was home obviously since the last time we recorded. Um, so I didn't have any of my normal consoles with me. I got my Switch, uh, but my sister has an Oculus Quest, and recently Beat Saber released. 360 degree levels where you're not only just hitting the notes in front of you, but they're coming from all directions. And then on PSVR, they have 90 degree levels where it's just basically a a wide cone in front of you. They're just kind of rotating back and forth between. I played the 90 degree ones on PSVR and it's fucking dope. They have what, what I don't really love is that, I mean, I'm sure they'll expand it, but they only have a select 
list of songs that are enabled with that. And then with that, each one is only available in one difficulty. So, like, if I wanted to play Panic of the Disco, High well, that's Hopes. That's very limited. Yeah. If I wanted to play High Hopes at Panic of the Disco, I have to play it on hard. I can't play it on expert. Um, but It'd be like having, like, Rock Band, but only drums available on some songs. Yeah. You can only play drums on it's some songs and only on easy, but you can play the bass on hard or whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but it's really fucking cool. And it adds a whole new challenge because even playing that song, that song specifically, High Hopes, is one that I play like normally double speed, disappearing arrows on expert. And now even playing it on hard double speed, I'm like, whoa, this is really interesting and, and weird because notes are coming at me from the right, but they have a left arrow on them. And then the left coming from with a right arrow. And it's like I have to completely rewire my brain to think about how I'm going to move in space to hit these things. So it's really, really cool. But I wanted to try it in 360, and my sister had the Oculus Quest, and so I uh, tried that out. Um, it I sounds like a lot. It sounds like it'd be overwhelming, honestly. It's not overwhelming. It, honestly, it is basically the same experience as 90 degrees uh, mm-hmm. for me. It, you are literally rotating 360 degrees around. But if you think, think about um, Rock Band Unplugged on PSP. Yeah, you know how you have the different lanes and you have to jump between the different yeah. lanes? That's kind of what this is, except you're not physically jumping. You're not pushing a button to jump between the lanes. You're just kind of turning your body as it goes. And they feed into one another. So it's kind of like a gradual progression around as like the yeah. notes come at you. So, That's what I was curious about. Because if it was like you're going in front of you and then you have to know to turn around completely. Right. It's not like really that. really strange. Yeah. So because it's that kind of gradual flow either direction – there's not a, I, I felt like there's not a lot of difference between the 90 and the 360 degree levels, so I'm totally fine now. I'm not feeling like I'm missing the Beat Saber experience by having it only on PSVR. But regardless, it's cool. If you have any platform with Beat Saber, go try those out. They're really, really awesome. Um, I also noticed, like I've, I've been playing a lot, obviously, on my PSVR, but then jumping back into it on the Oculus Quest, I, it really hit me how much lesser of a visual experience it was because i guess of the processing that like all of the 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 barriers and things like that you have to avoid while they're coming in are just like completely hollow wireframes yeah, not glowing like yeah they don't have like the like cool that. liquid yeah. textures and shit like that in them like everything is super low not low res but just like the textures are much simpler like, I think oh. the lighting is also just brought oh down yeah a lot yeah 100 yeah dude did you get a hand drop from sarah pierce Hundred <laughs> percent. That's American Vandal. Um, yeah, so I enjoyed it a lot. I am totally fine with the ninety degrees as well. Good shit. Good shit. Beat Saber's fucking great game, dude. I haven't heard of it before. You've never mentioned it once ever. Beat Saber, Alexis. <laughs> uh, it won best game, best VR game at Game Awards. I also played a lot of Mario Kart. My almost five year old nephew is obsessed with Mario Kart now. He's got it on his uh, on his iPad. He's got Mario Kart Tour. He's got um, he just got for Christmas the day after Christmas. We go gift card shopping, and we all spend all of our gift cards that we got on Christmas. He got a Nintendo 2DS with Mario Kart on it, and then my parents have uh, a Switch, and they got Mario Kart on it. So we played a ton of Mario Kart on Switch, and I fucking kicked their ass. Except <laughs> we just for fun. I've never tried 200 cc before. Just for fun, we tried 200 cc. That shit is no. so fast. And yeah, somehow, my little five year old nephew got second place on one of these races, and I came in like tenth. I'm like, how the fuck did you do that? Blew to me, 
150 cc is the one true way it's just perfect 200 is yep. ridiculous it's just i think it's too much yeah personally speaking i think it's too much but it's fun we were playing on 50 cc for 99 percent of the time we were playing so 50 i'd rather do 200 than 50 <laughs> well 50s. i mean we had to because they're babies so. i know because he's <laughs> yeah, babies but like oh uh, we also played Donut County, which you can now listen to. Go to our podcast feed, look at our barf episode, Backlog Accomplishment with Respawn and Friends. Uh, we just released that hopefully yesterday or the day before when you're listening to this. Hint, hint. We haven't actually we haven't recorded, recorded it yet. yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I also played Destiny 2 on Stadia while I was home because that was the only way I could play it. Because here's the thing. I wanted to play on ps4 with everybody especially because you know we had started we started the new raid there's raid layers that i didn't know were a thing that are like smaller versions of the raids like smaller things and we started one of those just on game night or it was even just maybe it was a game night i don't know but with trevor and kyle st james and no it wasn't st james it was someone else anyway uh regular kyle and a bunch of other people um dallas was there uh and we got all the way through it and got to the final boss tried it a few times and didn't get to it. And then on that Saturday, we're like, let's try it again. But I was at home. I was like, I'm going to do PS4 remote play. I'll do that. It's usually worked fine in the past. Something about my new router setup, despite having a connection at my parents' house of like 50 megabits per second, they kept saying my internet connection was too slow. On every device I tried, couldn't freaking mm-hmm. get it to work. Sucked a asshole. <laughs> so I was like, fine, I can't play it, but I still need my Destiny 2 fix. So I logged on to Stadia, courtesy of Matt. He uh, gave me his buddy pass, got my DualShock 4 up and running, and I played it on my parents' Wi-Fi for probably a total of like 10 hours while I was home that week, which was pretty impressive. It was it was still not the ideal way to play. I was having frame rate stuttering issues like crazy. I was like, there were times when the game would just completely straight up freeze and I would have to close Chrome and load back into the to the strike we were doing at the time. And I'm sure the people I was playing with were like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? Um, so yeah, still not sold on Stadia tech as is, especially running on Wi-Fi that should have more than enough bandwidth to support 4k gaming, let alone the 1080 I was doing in my browser, but it was still uh, a worthwhile way to play destiny Two, which is really what it's all about. I got that snow globe ghost for the event. I got the <laughs> sleigh, um, uh, fucking glider fucking shit. Sp- oh, so they're not doing the Halloween stuff anymore. No, no that's the last Halloween, thing I remember doing. <laughs> But I'm still working to try to get this polar bear uh, sled. It's going to be so fucking cool. So fucking cool. I'm baking all these treats, giving them to people. I'm making oh, so Christmassy. Anyway, Love Destiny 2. It was great. And that's all I played this week. Let's jump into our quest log. Starting with Fetch Quest. We got a few things going on here. Some things that are just basically headlines, but just still deserve a little bit of talky talk. Chalky chalk. Spatchy spat. God, I miss Baby Yoda. I need to continue watching Mandalorian. Dude. It's so – it ended great. Did it? Oh, that's so good to I, hear. It ended great. I, there was also something in the last episode that was just traumatizing, and I haven't forgotten it. It was Oh, fucking Taika Waititi. Get all over my pussy. And, mm, it's I hate Jason Sudeikis now, but it's not really his fault. But Jason Sudeikis is in it? He plays a, a, a scout trooper. Oh, cool. Speaking of Star um, Wars, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order combat and traversal has been tweaked in a new patch, says Brianna Reeves from PlayStation Lifestyle. Um, too little too late for me. But apparently, mm-hmm. according to the patch notes, it fixes all the trouble we had. Like, it makes combat more responsive. Your blocks and the animations and things like that are actually 
uh, your counters are actually going to be more responsive, your traversal, your jumping to ropes and all that kind of stuff. It sounds like this is what should have launched when the game yeah, came out. Uh, had I not deleted that game the very second I beat it, I would try it out again. But yeah. I just don't feel like re-downloading a massive game just to see if it plays better and then i'm still not going to play it yeah that's so sad that like when you launch a broken game sure you can you there are very few times when people have launched a game it's been broken they fix it but the narrative around it is still oh yeah that's the game that was fucking broken at launch and nobody played and nobody wanted or liked it blah blah Mm -hmm. i mean we are obviously in the minority about the game that we didn't like it but Still, yeah. I mean, I can think about No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky launched broken, blah, blah, blah. They fixed it. Everybody loves it now. But everything mm-hmm. outside of that, even Stadia, I feel like... Every that. single human being on the planet obsessed with No Man's Sky. It's true. All it's true. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's hard to come back from that. We'll see if Star Wars it can is, do it. It is, yeah. Well, though, the end of the next... Sorry to take over for you here for a second. The end of the next story, hopefully it improves the next game. Yeah. Because I will play that. For a sequel. Yeah. Uh, here's a quote from the job listing. We're looking for a highly skilled senior software engineer who will embrace our philosophy and share his or her hard-earned experience to create an incredible Star Wars experience for our players. I said experience. It was expertise the first time. Sorry. We're picturing someone who is passionate about the Star Wars universe and is invigorated by the idea of coding third-person action-adventure games. If this sounds like you, we're looking forward to seeing your resume. All right. So maybe they learned what they need to do from the beginning with this new patch, and they're going to make a sequel that's great. And I'm just, obviously, it's not officially announced, but the, I don't see a way of reading that and interpreting it any other way than they're making Jedi Fall in order to. That yep. just seems very apparent. And why wouldn't they? It sold really well. So I, I'm very excited to see that game still, even though I think both. I think it speaks both. I think we're both excited to see that game. Yeah, I think we'll both play it. I still love Respawn as a developer. I think this was a stumble oh, yeah. on their part, but yeah. Yeah. Resident Evil ambassadors have been invited to playtest an unannounced game, says Brett Makadonsky at Destructoid. I think it's Resident Evil 8. The article was very careful to say it wasn't Resident Evil 8. They kept saying, well, it could be Dino Crisis. I'm like, we basically know Resident Evil 8 is coming. Yeah. I think it's Resident Evil 8. Or do you think it's another? Do you think it's Resident Evil 4 remake? I don't know. I think that. Whatever it is, it's not coming out in 2020. I think it, it, Resident oh, Evil 3 no. can yeah. out on its own in, in 2020. Whatever this is, 2021 or, or later. Um, but I think they do a Resident Evil 8 before I did a third remake in a row. I think so, too. Also, but I feel I like Resident Evil 4 remake is a much bigger undertaking than 2 or 3. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, if you have a Tesla, you can play Stardew Valley coming this holiday, which is now. Says Liz Lanier at IGN. So, uh, cool. When you're parked or charging and you're waiting your half hour for your battery to charge up, you can do a farm. I wonder, does that farm sync with your other farms? Like if you have it on Steam or Switch or something like that? Or is that something... Because that's a game that you invest time in. I know. I was thinking that. I don't don't think so. You can only play that in your car. Something to keep in mind, this game was made by one person. That's an interesting choice for a Tesla game. It is a choice for I think I think because it's not oh, like I'm it's not like wait. I can be driving and you can be sitting in the passenger seat playing it. You can only yeah. play this when the car is on and parked, and only in thirty minute increments, especially when you're charging. Essentially, right? Like, I mean, there's no timer, but like, you, it takes about thirty minutes to charge a Tesla. I, I believe it depends on whether you're at a supercharger or not. But yeah, I, I would I would rather play an arcadey kind of game than yeah. play Stardew Valley on a save like that Cuphead. it won't sink over. I'd rather just play on my Switch where I can take it everywhere and it's the same. Farm right. and yeah, interesting choice. 
Uh, Game Awards this year set up a new set a new viewership record, according to Andrew Smith at IGN. It's up 72% from last year, reaching 45 million total views. Uh, so as it goes from 2014 to 2019, it's been 1.9 million, then 2.3, then 3.8, then 11.5. Picked up to 26.2 last year, and then this year was 45.2 million people. Which is crazy to see that in the age where viewership for the Emmys and for the Oscars and the Golden Globes and all these things are like decreasing like crazy, that this is exponentially growing. It's insane. I wonder why. I think the Emmys and Oscars need to start making announcements within their show. I don't care about musical numbers in the middle of the Oscars. I think they're always so cheeky and dumb. I'm also not like a big musical person in general, so I think that's maybe part of the reason. But like, I think that 45 million people is like, oh shit, there could be a huge announcement, you know, at this event. I want to watch it live now. And I think like because Xbox Series X was announced at this game awards yeah next year people will tune in just to see what the next big thing that's going to be announced is and i mean this growth is huge it's practically exponential that's amazing i think there are two reasons why this will work but i don't know if announcements and the others will work but one is uh it's available to stream everywhere for free Mm -hmm. versus like the oscars and stuff like that you have to either have a a cable subscription or Mm -hmm. you have to like a good point find someone to go everyone has to go to a house to watch it um Versus this week, it's three hours Twitch long or YouTube. And boring. Exactly, yeah. Um, <laughs> but what's interesting about video games is that our industry reserves their announcements for very big press conferences or directs or things like that, whereas movie trailers drop all the fucking time. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't know if there's anything big enough that they could wait and reserve that would blow people away at the Oscars, unless it's like the next Avengers trailer or whatever. Side, side tangent. Because I can think of an event announcement where I was recently where I'm like, shit, I didn't know Christopher Nolan had a new movie coming out and it <gasps> looks oh, amazing. God. Did you get to see the before the, the before the Star prologue? Wars? Yes. Yes. Oh uh, my god, it looks so good. I can't, I can't fucking wait. I'm very excited. So excited. I don't want to know anything else. I just want to go see the movie. Anyway, moving right, that's on. The kind of thing. It's not a movie Maybe, spot. You know what? You know what? Save all what? of your Super Bowl trailers for the Oscars. Yeah. No, Seriously. they're not going to do that because more people watch the Super Bowl than watch the Oscars. So that's true. But maybe more people would watch the Oscars if they had not like an Avengers trailer, but if they had like the new Francis Ford Coppola like movie, like more arty movies that people who watch the Oscars might look for. Actually, I don't yeah. even know if arty like film lovers watch the Oscars either. Who? What's the demographic for the Oscars? I don't even really know. Like old women and drunk white girls. Maybe. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised. Let's get dressed up know. and watch the Oscars. Oh! <laughs> I don't know. I don't watch award shows except for Game Awards. So, yeah. Uh, next up, Sony announces Horizon Zero Dawn, Uncharted: Lost Legacy, and Overcooked Two will launch on PlayStation Now starting January second, uh, and that replaces what was previously available: Spider Man, God of War, and <laughs> forgot what the other one was. Um, so, another good good plug for PS Days Now. Gone? Was it Days Gone? No, it was not Days Gone. I don't remember. Alexis. Xbox <laughs> Sorry. Xbox Games of Gold January 2020 free games have been announced, says Andrew Smith at IGN. We got Sticks, Shards of Darkness, Batman the Telltale Series, Tekken 6, and Lego Star Wars 2, the original trilogy. Uh, more and more I'm looking at this and saying uh, they need to scrap this and just stick with Game Pass. Yeah, I, your prediction last year of just making Game Pass the Games of Gold package yep. instead, like just... Repl- Great idea. It would attract. It'd be way more interesting. 
Yeah, I feel like now that we now that Game Pass exists, and now that Sony's like buying into PlayStation now, I feel like the free games each month with Xbox Gold or Sony PlayStation Plus mm-hmm. is just like it feels old and dated, and something that it's not the way that we want to consume media now. Which is weird because Game yeah. Pass has only really been around for like a year. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge there would just be that there are two separate services because they need to have a separate like, income channel to support each of them. Yeah, but even think if they just said like, "Hey, here's a sampling of just our." Well, they couldn't, I don't know, they wouldn't want to say, here's just the Microsoft games on their own in Xbox Live, because then I think at that point, no one would buy them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think if they said, like, hey, here's some really cool indie games you might not have heard of that, like, are, we're going to put in Games with Gold, yeah. uh, because it's an extension of Game Pass, even like that, I think would be better, like, if there was, like, a bridge almost between them. I don't know, but, like, yeah, yeah. you're right, this doesn't work. I don't look at this and go, ooh, sticks, shards <laughs> of darkness. It's also weird that as they're starting to push Game Pass Ultimate, which is both bundled into one, it's like, you have this collection of 100-plus games that are really awesome, and then you also get, like, this weird little offshoot of, like, four games you can keep permanently that you kind of care about. Are it's you like, telling me you do not want to play Lego Star Wars 2, the original trilogy? <sighs> I mean, I do want to play Batman's Helltale series, so... Yeah. Uh, Google announces two new free games for Stadia Pro January 2020. Includes Rise of the Tomb Raider and Thumper. Great. Two great games if you play on Stadia. Speaking of Stadia, Google buys developer Typhoon Studios to work on Stadia games, says Michael McWhorter at Polygon. Um, Typhoon Studios you might recognize from nothing because I didn't recognize them from anything. But they're apparently making a game called – fuck, I forgot it. It's in the article. Let me take a look. It's been announced. Um, I was going to put this in as like a story we can talk about, but I'm like, why not what? Um, it's too little too late. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> like this should have been done years ago. And I feel like that's just the same conversation we've been having with Stadia for months now. So it's just like nothing. This should be a big announcement. It's not. They made Journey to the Savage Planet. They're making it. That's coming out in the future, right? Yeah, it's coming out. When did that come out? Yeah, it's upcoming. Yeah. Here's the thing, too, is, and actually this is worth mentioning. It is another uh, Ubisoft thing. Like, it's the former developers from Ubisoft branched off and made this Typhoon Studios. Everything they seem to be doing is just centered around Ubisoft, which is because Jade Raymond. And I think, like, Stadia is living off of Jade Raymond's amazing connections. And I just feel, I, I think she could do so much better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Speaking of changing oh, wow. positions, going from Ubisoft to Stadia, uh, Shuhei Yoshida has changed positions in Sony recently, and this has nothing to do with that, but he does say <laughs> in our Sony <laughs> Quest log, developers tell us they never worked on hardware as easy to develop on as PS5. This comes from Leanne Agosa. It's Ian Agosa. Ian, I couldn't tell if it's lowercase L or capital I, although, of course, it's a name is capitalized. Ian. Shuhei was interviewed by Denke PlayStation Magazine, and he claims that the PS4 was designed to learn from PS3's difficult development resources, and they want to continue to this trend with the PS5. And uh, the feedback that they've gotten is that the PS5 has been the easiest console by far to develop for, which means that we're going to see games coming out faster, which means that we're going to see games running better, which means that we're going to see games that look better and perform better. It's going to be all-around good things there. Which and is course, a departure like, from, from, like, the cell processor on PS3, which is, like, apparently notoriously very difficult to develop yeah. for. But apparently extremely powerful once you, like, figure yeah. it out. To the point where, like, it was never really fully tapped, which is interesting. Um, but 
I think it's worth mentioning it's coming from Shihu Shida, who has every reason to say, yeah, we get an amazing feedback from this. But I, I believe it. This is something they've been pretty consistent on in terms of, like, this is what they've been saying since PS4 is this is a goal that we have. And we, there's also been leaks of, of developers saying, oh, my God, this is really easy to work with. So I yeah. believe it. I believe and that was it. actually part of their campaign when they were announcing the PS4. They're like, listen, we went to developers. And rather than saying, hey, here's our new console, develop something for it. They said, what do you want in a console? Mm-hmm. And that's how they kind of started the conversation yeah. with the PS4. It's it, nice to see this as an extension of that. PS4, but PS Vita as well. They said the same yeah. PS Vita. Like, what do you want from a handheld? Dual and they all said cool. rear touchpad. All those said rear <laughs> touchpad. <laughs> rear touchpad launched with invisibles. Everyone's going to love it. Speaking of rear touchpad, there's a new DualShock 4 back button attachment for your DualShock 4. Uh, due out next month in January, says Brianna Reeves at PlayStation Lifestyle. It's a weird thing that you plug into the headphone jack on the bottom of your PS4 controller. It adds two kind of like paddles on the back that you can program to be any of the other buttons. So if you wanted those to be like L3 and R3, you could do that. If you wanted to be triangle and circle, you could do that. Uh, And then on the front, it has an OLED display that shows you up to three different profiles. So like if you wanted the racing one to be configured one way, that could be your first one. No, it's on the front. It's on the front. Okay, there's the something on the back as well that shows you. Because you, the point is, like, you glance down and see what profile you're on. Uh, and if I remember correctly, maybe even that's a button, or maybe it's not. I don't know. But yeah, so the back lights up. But I'm not seeing the front light up in the video. Really? Yeah. Get out of here. I like only the back lights up. Which you're right, that would make more sense if it was in the front. Because you can look down and be like, that's what buttons I'm about to hit. Oh, no, yeah. Clicked... I think you're right. That's weird. Maybe it's to keep that from like blinding you in a dark room. Maybe. Which is kind Maybe. of what they did with the touch bar. Except um, for that one little sliver at the top of the touchpad now. I think what's so interesting to me about this is not that it's a bad idea. I think it's a good idea. Uh, it's the timing of it. Is this going to be compatible with the PS5 controller as well? I mean, obviously, we'll, I'm sure we'll get word of that. Or will the PS5 yeah. just have some rear buttons? Actually, there was and a because... patent uh, this, like, two days ago, I think, that actually came out. That there's a patent for a new Sony controller that has just extra triggers on the back now. Mm-hmm. And this might be a way, because we know that it's going to be backwards compatible with PS4 stuff, this might be a way yeah. for them to bridge that gap and maybe... If, like I'm saying they should do, PS5 games are playable on PS4 just at like a lower resolution or lower frame rate or something like that, yeah. that this is a way for you to play those with those extra triggers mm-hmm. with a future update. I don't know. It's also a good way to compete because I think one of the main appeals for the Elite Series controller on Xbox is those rear panels. Yeah. Or rear paddles. And I think this is a good like middle ground of like, hey, you don't got to buy a almost $200 controller to get those those paddles right. you can just buy this $30 accessory i'm curious how ergonomic it's going to feel yeah how much weight is it going to add to the controller uh, is it going to yeah. feel good i'm sure they've they've done a lot of testing and research and and made it feel oh, good yeah. but we'll see i do like we'll that it's 30 bucks I'm, i think it's a good price point i'll probably will get one just to kind of play around with it and see whether it would add anything to my gaming experience but i don't see myself using it all in a lot of stuff well i look forward to hearing your thoughts because i am not 100 percent sold yet just for me personally i don't know if i would use that yeah i'm curious if it if it adds anything let's move on to a third-party quest log we talked about oculus earlier and now they are officially selling a link cable for oculus quest says jordan devore at destructoid so if you aren't familiar if you have the standalone wireless completely uh like no pc necessary oculus quest you have the ability to plug a usb-c cable into a pc 
get extra processing power and be able to actually play Rift games as well. Um, there are plenty of other UFC cables you could use, but Oculus is releasing their own now. It's a 5 meter, which is 15 feet, which is perfect for that kind of play. Uh, USB 3.2 Type-C cable. It will run for 80 bucks, which is a little steep, but for that length of cable and for the 3.2 connection speed, it's kind of standard. Uh, it will not be available worldwide. It will only be in limited quantities, but you don't have to have this, this cable in order to use it. You could use yeah. any other USB-C cable. In fact, it doesn't even have to be a USB 3.2 cable. Yeah. Looking at... Like, when I first saw $70, I'm like, oh, yikes, that's really expensive. But if you really think about what the cable is offering you, it's really not... That. I mean, think about taking your standalone Oculus Quest and turning it into a Rift and being able to then access a whole new catalog of VR games that you can't get in your Quest. I don't really think it's actually that bad of a deal, and I still yeah. feel like there is zero reason to buy a Rift S. Yep. Just get a Quest. So crazy. And I'll say it once, I'll say it again, I think this is nuts... Quest is a higher resolution than the Rift S does, and the Quest has the ability to move the lenses back and forth right. in fixed positions on the Rift S. It's like, why would you buy a Rift S? I don't get it. Anyway. Dino anyway. DNA. Atari Revival Dino offers DNA. same 88% <laughs> revenue split as the Epic Game Store, says Matt Kim at IGN. So if you're developing for the Atari VCS for some fucking reason, uh, <laughs> and you are exclusive to that platform, you will get... Uh, 88% of the profits from that sale. If you are not exclusive, you will still get a more generous than Steam offer of an 80-20 split versus the 88-12. And in kind of related news, all VCS units will also double as dev kits if for some reason you got one and you decide you want to develop for it. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, as we get closer to this launch... I still have a lot of skepticism and concern about the Atari VCS. But yep. the past two news cycles about the Atari have mildly warmed me up to it. Maybe not being a complete failure in product, but maybe just a complete failure in marketing thus far. At best, um, it will be Ouya. At, uh, yeah, I think at best it'll be, uh, it could be an Ouya. Um, possibly. But there's a little kernel of me that that holds on to... Maybe it just hasn't been discussed well enough. Because, like, this is a good sign, I'd say. I think this is a good move by them. And the last thing they talked about, um, they had, like, the big blog post of, we're actually going to have a UI for it. There is going to be a store. And, like, talk about all these things where I'm like, okay. Before, we just kind of thought it was going to be plugging in a box and it's, like, Ubuntu Linux pops up and you, you go from there. But, like, no, it does something like actually going to be a console. They still have to do a lot of work on showing this thing off. Yeah. But I'm I'm more optimistic than I was before. But that's still not saying a lot. Yep. Speaking of optimistic, what's our next yeah, story? Yeah, Telltale Games Revival aims to practice, quote, non-crunch work environments. As Brianna Reeves at PlayStation Lifestyle, um, CEO Jamie Ottoli. Again, by the way, Telltale Games went under, closed their doors, and then a new company that I forget the name of bought all of the rights to the games, well, to most of the games, bought the name of the company, and they're reviving it as that is with some of the original people. Uh, with this new company, they want to take a different approach, learn from some of the mistakes of the old one. And there's a quote from Jamie Audley, the new CEO, that says, we are taking a measured and methodical approach to growth in order to ensure we can provide a stable... N- <coughs> Excuse me, I'm dying. <coughs> Jesus, Michael Christ. <laughs> Non-crunch work environment. 
We are building this into our culture from the outset. We are a new company with different ownership and management and a different approach as to how we structure a studio in today's market. Uh, their newest, uh, in fact, only product in the pipeline uh, was shown off at Game Awards is The Wolf Among Us 2. It currently lacks a release date and is not expected in 2020. I think this is obviously crunch is a big issue in the industry. It's really hard to take an established culture, an established company, and turn that ship in the right direction. And being such a new company, hiring all these people, new CEO, brand new from the ground up, I think is this is the time where you can actually start out on the right foot. So I'm really optimistic that this kind of helps change the gaming industry and the environment as a whole. Yeah. I'm really happy about this. And just not because I'm a big Telltale fan, but just because I know people adore and love those games. And it's always heartbreaking to see that a studio like that closes its doors. We find out why and you go, oh, it's really understandable. But it never had anything to do with the IP itself. It never had anything to do with people not loving the games. It was really just the internal management structure, really bad crunch environment. Like Those are the factors that got in the way. It seems like they know why it failed, and they're going to do better this time. So I really feel like Telltale has a chance of being a giant studio, like a really prominent studio again. Yep. People really look forward to. We just got to make a so new that's engine. Exciting. That's it. Well, I think they're able to use Unreal now. Didn't they say they're able to use Unreal? Or am I just... That's they were... The, the game they were going to release next, I don't remember what it was. Oh, they were working on, actually, Wolf Among Us 2. This is a reboot of that. It's They're not taking any of the old stuff. But I think the yeah. old Wolf Among Us 2 was going to be in Unreal. Okay. Uh, I don't know if they're continuing that with the new company, but we'll see. I think it'd be a smart move. I think that might have been a big problem for them, is maybe their engine was not easy to work with. Yeah. There was something, I was listening to Kind of Funny Games Daily, and uh, Greg was talking about, Greg Miller was talking about how he was speaking with a developer at Telltale, and they're like, there's no physics engine in the Telltale engine. So, like, if they wanted to have a ball roll off of a table, they had to actually move the entire world around that ball to make it appear that way, instead of actually moving the ball itself. Oh my god. Right, so I'm sure that that was a huge like pain point for the developers and making all of these games and the reason That's why they were so janky insane. yeah well that was the big turnoff for those games for me is they were so janky i couldn't get into them because they were just way too janky yeah so hopefully that gets better hopefully but we're not speaking about janky games anymore we're speaking about good ass games moving on to our main quest talking about game of the year 2019 every outlet has released there so far and we're gonna jump in on that and tell you ours We've got a uh, structure we're going to go with. We're going to – let's see. We're having this discussion right now live on the air. This is how the cookie crumbles. Let's save honorable <laughs> mentions for after we talk about our top three. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah, that's cool. I feel like it saves the suspense a little bit. If they know what we've honorable mentioned, like, oh, that's not going to be their game of the year. <laughs> Chuck, <laughs> jokes on you, motherfuckers. All right. So we've got our top three that we've both come to with, and then I've certainly got some honorable mentions. Holden maybe has some? Yes, I do. Okay, 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 okay. Great. Holden, I want you to start by telling me, what is your number three game in the Game of the Year contenders? Uh, my number three game is is Metro Exodus. Uh, I talked about when that game first came out that I just there's this middle point in the story that I really, really liked because it really surprised me and I felt like I had to respond to it instantly. And that just really has stuck with me for the entire year. And I really appreciate that to it. And also like talking to other people who have played it and how... Just like the AI seems to have given us, I guess my eye all of a sudden shit, uh, it was given <laughs> us like different 
things to react to in each environment. It's really strong AI. I just really like where they took the franchise. And I'm really like I know that there are AAA experiences that are more polished, and I get all of that. But I'm still really impressed with what they're able to do with the resources that they have. I like the world they create. I love the atmosphere you know that they have. I love like the the heavy survival elements of that game, like having to wipe away your um your gas mask because it's getting like, foggy or something like that, or like having to patch it up because it broke, or like in, and they really just did some good stuff with the with the um the crafting mechanics where like I might have to make some ball bearings on the fly really fast because I ran out of ammo and I have guys who were about to flank me either side, but fuck, I need to like get behind cover and open up my backpack and craft those things immediately, and it just led for some really really cool immersive moments that I just stuck with me for the, throughout the whole year on top of some cool narrative moments that also stuck with me too. So yeah, I, I remember I really you obsessing over that one twist that you're like, Oh, I can't wait for everyone in the world to discover this so we can talk about it. <laughs> it's, I mean, I should say it's not so much a twist as much as a turn, but I, I still really enjoy that moment. Gotcha. Uh, I think my eye is good now. <laughs> good. Good. I was concerned for quite a while there. Um, yeah. it, for everyone who doesn't remember, that is the one game this year. Holden tells me I have to play. So, I will be playing that hopefully January, maybe February before the onslaught hits. You got to play it before Final Fantasy VII comes yeah, out. Yeah, after that, to. it's the point of no return. Fucked. <laughs> yep. Uh, great. My number three game. Jesus Christ! It's a fucking monsoon outside here in Nashville. Devil May Cry Five. This game came out in I think it was March this year, and it is the pinnacle of stylish action games. The gameplay is so fluid. It is so fun and ridiculously over the top. Uh, I feel like they've learned so many things from DMC. They've learned a ton of stuff from like all the feedback from Devil May Cry 4. They have really interesting characters that are unique enough. Like you have the Devil Bringer hands with all the different options that come with that and the way that you use them. I love the fact that they're disposable as well. So it really makes you think about which ones am I going to bring into this fight and when am I going to use them. Uh, then you still have all the different customizable options for like ebony and ivory and the sword that you get with Dante. And then you have this new character whose name I fucking forgot. Damn it. He looks like Adam driver. V uh, yes. V um, yeah. there, there was like a kind of like a, a cool enough twist in the story to keep you interested, but really it was the gameplay, the really interesting multiplayer. This game, I feel like got really overlooked, but the like not quite asynchronous, but like you're all going into a mission together. And they're like, you're playing through maybe as V, and then also you can see in the distance sometimes another player somewhere in the world playing as Dante fighting through a portion. You can rate each other as like, oh, man, that was really stylish, or that's an A rank or a D rank or whatever, and you get points based on how they saw you fight. And then you can also replay that level from the other character, which I think was fucking super cool as well. Uh, so I think this game did so many things well. It was gorgeous, and I had a blast with it, and I think so many people slept on this game. I did Game Pass now. at the end of the year. You I, did, I only played it on Game. I only played it on Game Pass, so I totally slept on yeah. it too. And I haven't beaten it, which is we'll talk about that. Uh, but yeah, I totally agree. Like the music is super, super great throughout. Even though like I'm not a big fan of that kind of heavy me- or not heavy metal, but like kind of metal soundtrack in yeah. general, it works really, really well. I should say not soundtrack, but like heavy uh, metal music. I'm not a big fan of metal music, um, but it works really, really well. It gets you amped up while you're playing it because just matches you bashing demons' heads in. Like it's good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Holden, what's your number two? My number two is... I got really caught up between number one and two. And I'm settling on this. Resident Evil 2 is my number two game of the year. Me too! (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, so let's just talk about it then. Yep. Um, I I really was surprised by this game because I played Resident Evil Seven and I kind of thought, oh, like you'll kind of build from that. And no, like it really is a different experience for Resident Evil Seven, but it is atmospheric as fuck. It is scary as fuck. Mr. X is such a great addition. Mr. Where... X. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just listening for, like, play this game with headphones on, or at least oh, a good yeah. sound system, and just hearing his thumps, like, come around. Yep, and you fuck, things... I can hear that from, like, up and to the left, and I know there's a stairwell yeah. headed down to my dr- oh, God damn it. Yeah. Uh, it, it really, it gets you. And I replayed... The first half of it in a single sitting, just kind of when I was doing my game of the year considerations, kind of remembering some of these games, and I'm just like, man, this game is just so well done. There's really, I mean, you think about even small things in the game, like how perfectly uh, the inventory in the game is just spread across the map. Yes. You have to be careful with your weapons, but it never gets you in a situation where you feel like you're completely fucked because you don't have anything. Like, you... It's just they balance everything really, really well, I thought, in that game. And it's just it was really, really enjoyable. I think its short length actually works in its favor because Especially it because is of the replayability. Is... You could play it from both exactly. perspectives. And you should. Exactly. Yeah. You should. Even if like the first hour of your second campaign, you're like, this is a lot of the same. You're like, no, fucking play through it. Yeah. I yeah, I loved it. I think all of the quality of life improvements from the original Resident Evil Two days and the Resident Evil days, I think are it was a really, really cool way that they did that to make it you have the the inventory expansion. That was the biggest thing that got me in Resident Evil 1 and 2. It's like the limited inventory having to run back and forth to your sash all the time. But having that expansion in a way that you can continue to get more and more inventory space without breaking the puzzle elements of the game. We're like, oh, now yep. I can suddenly carry everything and the game's a breeze. Um, I think that was a really interesting and, and great feat that they pulled off there. I think you're right. It is the most atmospheric game and scary as fuck. It is for me. It is a battle between that and Resident Evil Seven in VR. That is the scariest game I've ever played in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, gorgeous that fucking RE engine and everything yeah. being so wet and slimy. The and, gore effects. Oh yes, are so good Ooh. looking. Holy crap! Yeah, really and they changed stuff. enough like, you... of it that when you play, if you played the original, like this is still really enthralling and keeps you guessing. Yeah, and for me, who I had never never played the original, or not well, the original Resident Evil Two. When I just played the first Resident Evil Two game, um, that's a weird thing to say. The first Resident <laughs> Evil Two game. Um, yeah, I didn't have that kind of nostalgia going into this, and I think the fact that it still spoke to me so much and didn't rely on that nostalgia, but then still really spoke to people with nostalgia who had played that game, is really just an impressive feat. So excited for Resident Evil Three now! I cannot wait. Yep, that's going to be amazing. So good stuff there, Holden. What is your 2019 are, game of the year? My 2019 game of the year, and it was a real battle between Resident Evil 2 and this game. And where I landed is that Resident Evil 2 is a remake, so they had some things to rely on. But Outer Wilds is something I've never played before. Whoa, twist! And I, so I got that for my brother for Christmas this year. And This is Wilds, just getting, not Worlds. Yes, Wilds, not Worlds. So not the RPG. This is the adventure game. Um, which is space essentially about was that like the spacey exploration kind of thing? Yeah, and I just like you know Metro Exodus had a lo- some moments where I kind of think back to this is a game I think it's going to stick with me for a very long time. There are some parts of this game that felt really special because I had to figure it out. 
like I keep going back to this one area called well, not like not going back to it in the game, but like mentally just this game part of the game called the Sunless City, where how you get to it is you have and I'm spoiling something in the game, so if you really don't want anything in the game, don't listen to what I have to say right now. <laughs> um, and I'm serious because like I think the, the magic of this game is not knowing anything ahead of time. So if you have any desire to play it, stop listening right now. Um, what I really liked about it, there's this these two planets that are orbiting each other called the Ash Twin and the Ember Twin. And the Ash Twin is sand, and the Ember Twin is this kind of like hollow cavernous planet that has lots of tunnels to explore. And But what happens is that the, there's a column of sand, almost like an hourglass, that's falling between the Ash Twin and the Ember Twin. So when those deep trenches in the Ember Twin you have to explore are filling up with sand like as you're exploring them. So it's like this intensity of like, I got to get past this cave because if I don't, I will literally get crushed alive in this cave. And it just adds like fear to you and i just have those images like burn in my mind because not knowing what it was going to be and getting there discovering it and then getting through the cavern and finding the sunless city and then all the tunnels that branch out like from there and how that brings me to the high energy like just the exploring this game was so rewarding it has a really i think interesting abstract ending and i got this game for my brother for christmas he's been playing it and i specifically got this for him because he's he's one of those people who's just like way too smart maybe the best way possible like he plays games and figures things out instantly because he's just he's i guess he's just really good at that and i'm like i want to see how he does with this and he was challenged it like really was like okay hold on i got no fucking clue what to do here like (laughs) like try this try that and like trying different things and it kind of added new meaning to the whole like the game doesn't hold your hand like breath of the wild get talked about a lot of for like oh this game doesn't hold your hand but there are a lot of things in Breath of the Wild where they were like, hey, you should go to this point in the map. Or, uh, hey, like this is what this particular like fruit does, for example. Mm-hmm. There's no hints in this like whatsoever. You have to figure everything out, even things obscure as, okay, well, to get inside that core that has the electrical layer around it, you need to get out of your ship and inside of the jellyfish that's able to go inside of that core. Like These things where it's just like, I wouldn't have initially thought of doing this until I died so many times and came back and thought, well, maybe that will work, and then it does work. And the, all the environments are super cool to explore. There's just things I haven't seen in a game before, like a planet that's hollow and its core is a black hole and that's sucking in parts of the planet, but that's also used in puzzles to access certain part of that planet you couldn't access before. But when that part of the planet's in zero gravity on the other side of that black hole, then you can explore it. And there's just so many things where I'm like, holy shit, I've never played anything like this before, and it's this studio's first game. That's awesome. It's it's wild, and I highly re- recommend playing it. Wild is no it intended. outer wild? Yeah, <laughs> it is out <laughs> of this world, but not so outer, yeah, worlds. outer wilds. Is my but not outer worlds? No. Yeah. Um, this game is uh, definitely something to behold, and I highly recommend playing it. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that's a. I did try that game, but it's a it's a cilantro kind of thing, you know. Yeah, I, absolutely. I hate it. <laughs> if someone was I can, like, I, I didn't like it, I could tell I'm not surprised. why people love it, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, if you're the kind of person who doesn't like to just be cast off and told yeah. to fuck off, do it yourself, it, it, <laughs> no way you're ever going to like this game. Nope. Um, it's very, very abstract. So it's, it's one of those things where, like, I get it. I get why you don't like it. Uh, it's just a game that doesn't speak to everybody. But it yeah. hit me in all the right spots hit me in the feels chad oh sexually what was your number one game of the year i'm surprised my game of the year. two is not your number one right? i'm really curious i have no idea what it is 
Game of the Year 2019 for Chad Michael Ennis goes to Control. Oh, good choice. A lot of the year I was like, man, Resident mm-hmm. Evil 2. Man, who's going to beat Resident Evil 2? And even what's weird, even after playing Control in August, binging it in a weekend and platinum it in the weekend. Like I literally played that game for like 20 hours in two days. Um, even after I did that, in my mind, I was like, I was not convinced that it was game of the year. But the more and more we get removed from it, the more I look back on that experience, it's like, God damn, what a great ride that was. It was janky as fuck. I saw, I have not played it since I platinumed it, but I can't wait to go back and play some of the DLC. But I think it's a testament to the game that despite its jank from the frame rate issues, from you load into the environment, but then you're still kind of frozen there for 10 seconds till it loads. <laughs> um, it, despite all of those technical performance issues, even on a PS4 Pro, I was still so enamored with it and still so willing to go and explore because that world and the, the, um, the lore of what's happening in this, this area around you is just so freaking fascinating. Being able to explore every single note. This is since I actually can't think of any single game where I've been so excited, not for a trophy, but just for the knowledge of what's inside of it to go and find every single collectible in this world because they're so fascinating. And most of them are about like a particular item that has some sort of kind of weird affectation that is doing weird things to people like the flamingo, the Christmas tree and all these kind of things that fucking fascinating. So whoever wrote all of these things and came up with this concept of these everyday objects, just fucking going ape shit and, and making these weird things happen in the world is I want to. I want to meet them. I want to pick their brain. I want to figure. I just want them to write endless, endless expansions. Of this where I just like. I'm going to go pick up a microwave today. I'm going to go find out what this key ring does. I'm going to do whatever this shoe makes me do. And it's these everyday objects are just so fucking fascinating. And then on top of that, the story itself was was pretty good. I really loved the uh, the acting, the performances from a lot of the characters. The ending, I feel like, still had some issues where like. It could have it could have been a little bit better. The story just kind of ends. The last like level of the game is that traditional. We're gonna throw endless waves of enemies at you and see if you can beat it. Um, but outside of that, what I love is that the side content is also some really fleshed out stuff. Like you don't fight a lot of bosses in this game, but except for the side quests. So as you complete these side quests, you actually do fight big bosses and different things. Which interesting. is interesting. Yeah, that's like the opposite of how it would be in any other game. That's right? interesting. A lot of the yeah. boss battles, like 80% of the boss battles you play in this game are in the side quests. Um, and they all have different puzzle elements to them as well, which is really cool. So this game has some excellent combat, some excellent um, game mechanics, and really, really fascinating lore. And I, I, I cannot, looking back on it, I cannot think of any other experiences that, made, that I was so in love with and so enamored with that I had to, like, I have to beat this right now. And then I beat it, and I'm like, I have to platinum this tomorrow. Loved it. Every minute of it. I really... That's one of those games where, oh, I need to finish up for the end of the year. But like, I'm just going to rush it in and I'm not going to be able to appreciate it. And I'd rather appreciate it than rush it. Yeah, for sure. But I really want to play that game. Not every game can be game of the year, but there's still some great games out there. Holden, you have a few honorable mentions you want to throw out. Go for it. I do. Yeah. Um, number, number, first one off the bat is just Sekiro. Uh, had I beaten the game, it would be in my top three, hands down. No question. Um... But I didn't beat the game because it's extremely difficult and it's, just, it's a huge time commitment, that game. But just fuck the combat and that game is incredible. 
it is really really solid it's so much fun uh, just to just to battle the sword it's just great love that game um luigi's mansion 3 really really fun game uh i thought it was very clever at times it's very unique i like that game a lot uh what the golf which like i couldn't i don't oh, know if i could put a mobile game like golf I don't know if I can put like a mobile game in my top three games of the year, but I really did consider it with the golf because I'm like, I haven't really laughed like that at a game before, and it was just so consistently surprised the entire time. Um, so that was a really, really enjoyable game. That was one of those um, games that, like, when it came out, when Apple Arcade launched in September, I let my niece play with it on my phone for, like, a good hour. And then when she saw me again uh, this week at Christmas, she was like, hey, do you have that weird-ass golf game? She didn't say ass. She's seven or eight. She's like, do you have that weird <laughs> golf game on your phone? Can I play it? She's like she's been thinking about it for months. Because it's that good. It's awesome. Yep. Um, one game that I'm, I'm surprised. Like it, it hit me where I'm like, why did I even? I didn't even consider that as an honorable mention, let alone game of the year. And and I stick by it. I I, I just want to mention call that because I'm I, I'm just surprised myself that it's not in that list for me. Link's Awakening is not even like up there for me. Oh yeah. Um, it's a good. It's a great game. But it's exactly the same as the Game Boy version. The art style is really cool. But I kind of realized playing it that Link's Awakening doesn't provide the sense of adventure in a lot of other Zelda games that I like. Like, I don't find myself going to new areas in that game and feeling like I'm going somewhere dangerous. Whereas, like, when I played Link Between Worlds, for example, there are parts of that map where you go the wrong corner and you're not ready for it and you're going to get destroyed. And that, to me in Zelda, that's like a sense of adventure. And I just didn't get that from, from Link's Awakening. I was by no means disappointed in the game. I played it three times because I'm a huge <laughs> Zelda fan. Like, that is not at all what it was. But, like, I did the three-heart challenge on that game with no fairies. And I didn't really I didn't struggle that much. And maybe I'm just real good at Zelda games. Maybe you are so real good at Zelda. So. Maybe I'm real good. Uh, but I know, I, I really do feel like it just it wasn't to the same danger level, if you will, as other Zelda games I played, especially the 2D ones. I think the 2D ones tend to be more difficult. So I'm still obviously looking forward to whatever Zelda game is coming out. It did not like ruin Zelda for me, <laughs> but I think I'm ready for a new 2D Zelda game. Yeah, as me opposed too. to uh, the remake of an existing one. More so than I think I'm excited for Breath of the Wild too. To be honest, ooh, twist. Yeah. But anyway, I just wanted to call that really good game. But it just surprised me that I didn't even really consider it. And I just wanted to, mm. to mention that. I was just surprised by that, considering it's my favorite franchise. Yeah. And there's also nothing wrong with the game. Like, it's not a – there's really not much wrong with the game. It just didn't speak to me in that way. I was just kind of surprised by that. Anyway. What are your that honorable, honorable mentions? That I can think of off the top of my head right now in this moment. Gotcha. Uh, my first honorable mention is Gears 5. I actually went back and forth as to whether or not this would beat Devil May Cry 5 as my number three. Um, just because I did have such a fun experience with it, it added enough new to the franchise that I feel like has been kind of stale. Um, that like the multiplayer components, how it's asynchronous when you plays as Kate and one of you plays as some other fuck that you get to choose, whether it's a robot or what's his face. Um, but there are like actual decisions that you get to make in the game that affect the ending. There are those asynchronous moments where like one person can kind of see all this crazy shit going on and the other one's like, what are you looking at that you have to kind of talk to each other about? And it is gorgeous i realize i didn't ever talk about this really on the episode where i talked about my experience with it but it is one of the most beautifully stunning games that i've seen this year and they of course lean in like they have this whole world with just completely 
crimson red sand. Like the entire world is, Wait, world is just better sand. looking than what the golf or grindstone. Yeah, yeah, better looking than grindstone. It, Isn't that weird? A weird. That's strange. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't expect that. Uh, yeah, they they leaned into the HDR and the great lighting and all this kind of stuff really hard, and it was it paid off. Uh, and then they added the new multiplayer modes, which were actually really fun. And I found myself playing them across multiple nights, which I never expected to do, which was cool. Uh, so Gears 5, I think it was a, a great new kind of return to form for the franchise. Added a lot of new stuff. And then the other two that I have on here as honorable mentions, I didn't feel like I could list them as Game of the Year contenders because they didn't necessarily come out this year. One of them was Destiny 2. This is the game that it relaunched, kind of a soft relaunch in September when they went free to play with the the base game. They launched Shadowkeep. They launched Seasons at the same time with season passes and all of these cool rewards that go along with that. And they just kind of restructured the entire game. And I think that was a brilliant move. And we played it as game night. And it is now in the last three months has by far become the most played game for me this this year. I've put in more hours in that game than anything else this year by far. Also, just for game nights in general. Yeah. It's dominated our game nights. Yeah. And it's so fun. There's so much more to explore than I ever thought imaginable. And I'm, I, there's no way I'll ever scratch the surface of, like, maybe even 20% of this game. Um, but it doesn't mean that I don't want to and I don't want to try. It's amazing. <laughs> and I, it's so crazy that I find myself – I log into this game and I'm like, you know what? Today I want to do this quest. And I want to do this quest for this exotic weapon, whatever. And then I get into it. And I start, like, collecting bounties, and I was like, but you know what? I could also do this at the same time. And then I get in there, and three hours go by, and I'm like, fuck, I had so much fun doing all this other shit that I never even got to that quest. I can't wait till tomorrow when I can go back and actually start on that quest. Like, there's <laughs> so much to do, and all of it is alluring. It's, it's so much fun. And then the, the discovery of the raids and the raid layers and how much fucking fun those can be with a fool and how challenging they can be, like, mentally. Even if, even if you know a little bit of what's going on and then figuring out how to accomplish that with your crew is so cool. And my last one is Beat Saber, which technically, if you're going by Game Awards rules, did release out of early access this year for consideration. But You've been um, playing that game for so long. <laughs> I have. God, well, it's only been out on PSVR for a little over a year, like a, a 13 months or something like that. Really? Yeah. It came out in November of it last year. It feels like you and Beat Saber have been friends forever. We've had a long, fruitful marriage. Um, <laughs> Beat Saber is the best vr game of all time and these developers are so good about supporting this game they are constantly adding crazy new things the ability to customize the colors that you've got adding really fun new gameplay like they have uh popular music from like imagine dragons and panic of the disco and then they have things from like monster cat and then they have a rocket league team up pack where they have rocket league music in there uh and they're adding all sorts of new modes and shit like that and Every time that I play a new music pack that they release, whether it's like a four-song pack or a ten-song pack, I feel like they're still somehow distinctly different from each other. And I'm like, oh, man, yeah, the Imagine Dragons pack is really fucking fun for this reason. But Panic! at the Disco is fun for this reason. And then Monster Cat has all of these kind of... It's weird that it's all the same mechanic, but it, they play differently enough that it's really, really fun. And then the fact that they just keep adding with the 90-degree levels and the 360 levels, and I'm so excited for whatever they do... Um, next, and it's it's one of those games that immediately, whether well, I was going to say whether I played or not, but I absolutely will play it. But no matter what they release, I immediately, yeah, I'll fork over ten more bucks for a song pack or eight bucks for a song pack, without question, day of. Mm-hmm. Until Beat Saber Two comes out and it's Oculus exclusive, and, and then I will cut Oculus. my own throat. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> That's it. 
that is our game of the year discussion for 2019. Holden, we have one subscriber interrogative. It is from Dusty Eccentric Hill. Uh, and it just says, have a happy new year. Oh, right. Have a happy new year. Have Dusty. a happy new year. I think that's a good place to end it. I know we were, I told you we were going to do something in place of game on game show, but I think we should save that for the next episode as like a way to start okay. 2020. Uh, we Absolutely. don't have a game on game show. I think about it too. Yeah, I also didn't think about anything until right now, so uh, we'll have a more thoughtful discussion about that. Look forward to that episode. We don't have a game on game show due to vacations and this being kind of weird and set we up. busy. We busy. But we busy. <laughs> everybody, I hope you have a happy new year. I hope it's delicious. I hope you have time off work and you play lots of great things. And we look for oh, last thing, in the new year, January, we have a new game, a bar game of the month. Last Guardian, our last one was Donut County. Go listen to that right now. Last Guardian on PS4, the uh, continuation of the Eco and Shadow Colossus trilogy. Um, download that. Play it. Is that available on PS Plus or PS Now? or Probably PS so. Now. It's a, it's, a, it's a PS Classic. Oh, no. Um, oh, Last so Guardian. It's, like it's, it's one of the PS Classic ones. Yeah, it's one 20 bucks Classic. max. You could probably find it on yeah. sale, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I've I've played through that game. I've told you my thoughts on it on the podcast. But I think with this round, th- I'm going to try platinum it. So similar to what I did with Bioshock, where I played Bioshock and I was like, every time we played the new one, I tried to platinum that game. So I think I'm going to do the same with Last Guardian. But you have not played this game before. No, I haven't. I'm really have, excited to. You've played Shadow of the Colossus, but never beaten it, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. And you've never played Eco. Nope. They're not technically they're they're more spiritual successors than actually like a through oh, line yeah, between all three of them so it doesn't yeah. really matter if you play the other ones but there are like little hints and nods and winks everywhere but what i'm the most excited to see in this game is the ai because i've heard very conflicting things about it to so, like it's yeah. really bad to it's really cool how you build this relationship with the ai that gets smarter over time based on like I yep. just want to see it for myself because it seems like it's a very – it could be a really interesting mechanic that I can't wait to see or it could be just as bad as everyone's saying or some people are saying that it's just awful AI. And I'm curious. But it also just looks really gorgeous. It's just – doesn't look like something I've played before and I'm curious to play it. Yep. Totes excite. Lastly, you can go to patreon.com slash fire for $1 a month or more if you decide you want to be generous. But we won't give you anything extra. You can influence what we play. You can vote for February's Barf Game of the Month. You can uh, play along with us. In fact, we are raiding again on Saturday. Ah, can't freaking wait. We're going to do the prestige version of the Leviathan raid. I'm so pumped. Oh. Um, you guys have fun with that. You get free <laughs> wallpapers. I actually have – I've designed this month's wallpapers, and I have it on my phone, and I've been using it for a couple of days. But now I'm thinking maybe I want to go back and redesign it. So those might come a couple of days late. We'll see. Until next time, here's our usual sign-off. Chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. Ack. It's actually now chalky, 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 Aki. I, I approve. I approve. <laughs>